Hi, this is FEA President Andrew Sparr. To stay on top of all the latest news and issues impacting our public schools, be sure to follow FEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information on this podcast, visit feaweb.org backslash podcast. You're listening to Educating from the Heart. Thank you for joining our lively conversations with teachers, support professionals, parents, and students as they share issues that matter most in our public schools. Here are your hosts, Tina Dunbar and Luke Flint. Hello and welcome to another episode of Educating from the Heart. This is Luke. I'm here along with my co-host. And I'm just wondering, Tina, for your children, was there ever a time as a parent that you wish they had fewer books available to them in the classroom? No. Most parents recognize that reading is important to learning. In fact, most parents would make sure that they their child has every book possible. Because one of the most important things about uh, student development or or learning is exposure and exposing your children to as many things as possible and sitting down and talking with them about these things. That's that's how you help children mature and grow and develop. So along those lines, as a parent, did you ever wish that the governor came in and told your child that he could not take an AP class in whatever it is that he wanted to take? No, no, especially if it's an elective class. No, no, that's not right. How I I don't understand as a parent, I do not understand how an elected official can dictate what my child can take and not take. What what courses I don't understand what he's attempting to accomplish here. He he is stifling education in Florida. Basically, he is hurting children's future by doing this. And uh, I'm not really sure why this is happening. We know that there are thousands and thousands of students throughout the state that don't have books to read in their classrooms now. Teachers are being told to remove books out of their classrooms. That's crazy. Who's heard of a book? Who has ever heard of a classroom without books in it and resources to help students? You know, I don't fully understand it either. But what I do know is that the majority of parents, Tina, agree with you that they want their students to have access to books. They want their students to have to be in a classroom with a classroom library, and they want their children to learn the full history of the United States, the good, the bad and the ugly, because the only way that we can fix our mistakes as a nation is if we are able to fully reckon with them. Recently, we sat down with three parents to talk about what they want for their children and how it is quite different from the agenda that Governor DeSantis is pushing. I'm Reagan Miller. Um, I'm a parent. I have two kids. I have a middle schooler and an elementary schooler, and I am a parent advocate. I was involved. Honestly, I got um, recruited to join the PTA at parent orientation before my child even joined kindergarten. Um, And I jumped in full force. And then I started working, you know, on the recess movement several years ago, and really got to know the process of advocacy and got to know our legislators. And I got more involved in, in PTA and the advocacy piece of PTA. And then I, you know, 
continued, you know, I see the amazing things that I've always been involved in the classroom. I see the amazing things being done in our public schools. And my dream is that, you know, everybody can see our public schools the way that I see them. And that I think most that, that the way most parents who are in the public school system see the public schools is that we have amazing teachers and we have amazing students and we have the sky is the limit for what we can do here in Florida. And I think what we want to see is we want to hold our legislators, our governor, you know, you know, to the fire and say that we want that high quality, safe education that's guaranteed in our Constitution. Hi, I'm Jabari Hosey, a parent of three uh, elementary students. Um, never thought I would ever be needed uh, or or. Uh, would be in a situation where I had to be a parent activist outside of an activist for my children and supporting our schools. Um, but I'm currently uh, president of Families for Safe Schools, um, one of the founders for that organization. Um, we realized there was a need uh, during this climate uh, that has kind of overtaken our public schools as well as, well as our legislation all the way up the chain. Um, and so we're basically here as I'm here as a parent uh, and as a leader of this organization to make sure that our public schools stay strong, keep progressing, because we have a lot of room and we've always had a lot of room for growth in our public schools to be inclusive, to have um, accurate history, um, to make sure that we have equity in our schools. And I'm here to continue that progress um, and not let that get stifled with uh, political agendas. Hi, I'm Jen Cousins, and I am a parent advocate. I have four kids in the OCPS system, uh, two in elementary, one in middle, and one in high school. Um, and I am one of the co-founders of the Florida Freedom to Read Project, which we formed last year. Oh, gosh, no. I guess now it's officially almost two years ago. <laughs> um, in uh, reaction to the book bans that we saw coming once Moms for Liberty had backed off of the mask mandates when DeSantis made them illegal, their next step was going after books. And we saw it happen in our community and we weren't going to allow them to continue on with it. So we're holding our school boards accountable. Um, our organization is tracking what books get challenged because we know that there are very specific themes that are being challenged, specifically LGBTQ and BIPOC titles. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that the kids in Florida who attend public schools get the right education, get to learn the right kind of history, get to learn about marginalized communities. Um, we don't want them to learn what DeSantis has on his agenda for stifling our education. Um, and so my goal ultimately is to make sure that my youngest who is in first grade is able to graduate public school in Florida and have a quality education. During the past election, the Parent Bill of Rights was a major theme in the primary as well as the general election. You are standing up for public schools and you're standing up for parents who want their children to attend public education. As a parent, do you feel that this law stands up for you, supports your goals? I think it was something that um, was unnecessary. Um, I think parent involvement is, we know it's key. It's key to the success of our students um, and parents um, in my history of working with my schools and, and 
being in public schools, the parents have always had that opportunity to be involved. They always had a voice. They always had an opportunity to work with their teachers, their principals, administrators, attend school board meetings, all of the above. And um, I think uh, that parent bill of rights was to double down on a political agenda um, to create what one of these boogeymen where it's like, hey, you know, parents are being blocked from being involved. Um, and it's not true. So it's it is difficult for me to um to take a deep dive into it because I, I really believe it, it was an unnecessary thing that has now created more problems uh than what was already there from the beginning. So that that's my take. I think what people need to realize is that parents always had rights in Florida schools. You know, well before this, you always had the right to say, I don't want my kid to check this book out of the library. You always had the right to go to your teacher and say, I don't want my kid to read this book as part of an assignment. And your teacher would give you a different book that your kid could do an assignment on. Right. Parents have never been kept out of schools. This was completely unnecessary. And it was 100 percent a targeted attack on our marginalized communities. And we're trying to stifle our children's learning and we're trying to not only stifle their learning, but also stifle our children living these experiences. And it's really disturbing. Yeah, I I will echo what Jabari and Jen said, that this was unnecessary, that we've always had rights. I've never had a teacher. I mean, some may be better at responding than others, but I've had very few that haven't responded to me immediately. Um, I've always been able to raise any concern that I've had, and it's always been answered. And, you know, we have we have great administrators. We have great teachers. And the curriculum has always been transparent. There's never been anything hidden. And you, you've always had, you have always had these rights. So this was definitely a political agenda. Yeah. So again, I, I don't have children. Uh, my, my experience in the public school system was, was as a teacher. Um, but I'm wondering sort of the same question that Tina asked and, and Jen, you touched on this a little bit, but we, it's clear that you don't feel your rights as parents are being respected. Um, but I'm curious about how all of this politicization um, of schools is impacting your children. I'll jump in with one story, which I've shared before. Um, and I know I know, Jen, I mean, obviously we all talk, um, but there was a story my eighth grader came home with the other day, which was really disturbing. They were talking. The teacher brought up Emmett Teal and talked about a lynching. And they, one of the kids said, what is a lynching? And the teacher paused and said, ooh, I don't know if I can teach that. And this isn't, these are eighth grade students. And one of, and then the student said, what do you mean? Do they not want, who, what do you mean? They don't want us to learn. And the teacher said, some do and some don't. And to me, that is such an example that that is ri ridiculous. Like these lynchings happen. They're not, they didn't happen that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And it is perfectly appropriate for, for students to understand that these things happen. And this, I, I will also add, is an advanced level English classes. Um, you know, we kind of had a similar example um, in Orange County last year, last fall. Um, there was somebody who wasn't actually in the school, but it was happening at a school board meeting where a grandparent came in and was very upset that his 
second grader was reading a book about the Okoe massacre. And, you know, he tiptoed around his racism by saying, my second grader shouldn't be learning about murder. And it's like, no, that's not why you're mad about this book. Um, but it also is, it's stifling our LGBTQ kids as well. Um, you know, in Pasco County, safe space stickers were removed from classrooms, which is absolutely abhorrent. Um, you know, they're losing access to books books that they can read, their, you know, experiences, um, how they can identify, how to help them understand how they're feeling. Um, and it's really, you know, it's putting targets on the backs of students that are already marginalized to begin with. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off of all of it, I think one thing um, we need to reiterate is that what we've seen, especially in Brevard County, um, is the pressure on teachers, right? Um whether it's the Parent Bill of Rights or all this legislation that has, has passed, it's, it's put so much pressure. It has made teaching almost undesirable um, in Brevard County and I'm sure across Florida. Uh, and so teachers are put in a box like the scenarios we just talked about where they're afraid to even have these conversations. They're afraid to uh, discuss certain topics or um, address certain even current issues. Um, so from not necessarily direct experience outside of our teachers giving this feedback. And we do, our organization has teachers in it and uh, we correspond with teachers that have exited the profession. And a lot of it has been the fear of lawsuits, the fear of not having these discussions and just the loss of learning um, that is no longer a part of our public educational system because they cannot, or they feel like they cannot um, go into these topics without pressure from an administration or a state or a parent that could potentially sue them or the school. I feel like the majority of parents feel the way the three of you feel. I feel that there is a minority of parents who are part of this wave that's going on right now. What would you say to other parents who want to stand with you? I mean, many people may feel intimidated in terms of approaching the school board because but that is very important right now in terms of what's happening in your school district. What advice would you give to parents who who say this is not what I want for my children and I'm not taking my kids out of public schools either, which is part of the ploy here. So how can you help parents engage in this advocacy? So I, I love this question because this is a conundrum. <laughs> so parents are parents. We are busy. We have um, we didn't necessarily sign up for, to have a, a full time job or a full time effort with the children and, and maintaining that uh, on top of having full time advocacy and going to school boards and, and, and having to attend all of these activities to understand sort of the microcosms of the public school system and the changes that we need to try and prevent. So a lot of that is bite-sized pieces. So organizations like the ones we are part of informing parents, I think it's important that parents, if I'm speaking to them to get a part of it, step one is to be informed, right? So um, try and stay connected closely to your public school, the updates they have via Facebook, um, the emails they send out, as well as the legislation, if you can, um, and public public school advocacy, advocacy groups like ourselves who try and send out those updates about local changes, statewide changes. Um, and then the next step is how to be involved. There's so many layers to it. Like you said, 
there are some parents who don't want to go necessarily to school boards and to have shouting matches because some of these school board meetings have become very uh, negative. I mean, the press is all over and it can be intimidating. So there's other other ways to, to be involved. We need people who can write letters to the school board. Right. We still need emails. We still need research. We still need these things. But my key for a parent who is not does not have a history of advocacy and, and dealing with these sort of things is start by staying informed um, and doing what you can to stay connected as closely as you can to your um, school legislation and school board. Um, and if you have concerns, address them, uh, send those emails out, send out those conversations, have those meetings. You can set up meetings um, and, and start there. Any other advice, Reagan, Jen? I, I would just say, you know, hey, find, find a, a friend you can learn from. Um, I'm happy to go with anybody. I'm happy to introduce you. What I've learned is, you know, five years ago, I don't know, seven years ago, if you'd asked me where to find a legislator or a school board member, I wouldn't have known. I'll tell you now, I like I could find them. I can call them. I like you have to take the baby steps. You have to learn the process. But I also think it's so important. Talk to your teachers. And I think that's the first step. Find out what's going on in the classroom. Ask the questions. At the beginning of the year, we got a letter home that I had to give permission for my son to use the classroom library. Right. And I don't think that they were required to do that. I think that they were covering themselves because this teacher is obviously paying attention to what's going on. And I'm not sure that all are. And so I think when you see things like that, ask questions. Why are we doing it? And ask questions and take politics out of it. This should not be political. Like our kids education is not political. You don't have to pick a side. I will talk to anybody from any party about the importance of public education. And we need to remember that the number is probably hovering right at 90%. 90% of our students attend public schools. They choose public schools. And, and it's important. It is going to be important going forward. It's important now. And I think the things we're looking at, to me, one of the things that scares me the most is and, you know, I'm looking at with a fifth grader and eighth grader that hopefully I can get my kids through with a, without a lot of damage being done. But I know Jen has a first grader. What does this mean as we limit what they're able to learn? Where are they going to go to college? What are what colleges outside the state of Florida? What are they going to think of these students that don't understand the concept of what a lynching is? Like, that's really sad to me. And as a parent, that is not political that is concerning. I want my kids to look at everything, to understand everything and to see the world. So no, find a friend, talk to your teachers, ask them how you can help. Talk to your principals, get to know people. They're all human beings. They're not, they don't sit on pedestals. They're, most of them are very nice human beings that are willing to engage in discussion. Uh, Jen? Um, you know, search for groups like ours in your regions. Um, you know, Families for Safe Schools does an amazing job in Brevard County. Um, our group, Florida Freedom to Read, has had a lot of success in Orange County and in Hillsborough and Pinellas. Like you said, school board meetings can be intimidating because I'm sure all three of us here have been shouted at and <laughs> accosted at a meeting. Um, but you don't have to speak. You know, you can go with a group. You don't have to talk. You can just be there. Having bodies in the room is incredibly important. You can call in. You can write emails. Um, you can request private meetings with your school board rep themselves to address it directly rather than the nerves of getting up in front of a room and talking. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would add. 
I know one of the questions that I keep asking over and over again um, is if we continue down this path that we're on right now, um, what's public education going to look like in 10, 20 years? What are we creating? And for us as adults now, for adults who will sit back and say, oh, it'll take care of itself. Don't worry about it. You have to remember that what the children we have in school now are the people going to take care of us when we're older, when we go to the grocery store and to the bank. And if they're not prepared even to, to live in a diverse society, what are we creating? Yeah, that's been a concern of mine. Um, actually, since we first moved to Florida, um, the year that we moved here, my oldest uh, was in first grade. He started first grade here. Um, and my concern back then was teacher pay and um, support from the administration. And I remember saying way back then, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so worried about how little they get paid. Who's going to want to stay here? Who's going to want to teach our kids? And now, fast forward all these years later, my last one is in first grade and it scares the hell out of me. You know, I mean, luckily, our family is, you know, we in embrace diversity. You know, I have an LGBTQ child. Um, my oldest is on the autism spectrum. You know, our, we have a very diverse group of friends around us at all times. So they're, 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 uh, exposed to everything. Right. But when you have people like moms for liberties, kids, right, <laughs> they are being brainwashed into a whitewashed history that is devoid of anyone who isn't white and evangelical. And it's truly scary. And to Jabari's point where now these new rules and laws are forcing teachers out of the profession just because they don't want to deal with the hassle anymore. Before it was about pay, but now they'll have their licenses revoked. So there are how many thousands of dollars in debt for their student loans to become a teacher? And now that's just yanked away from them. I wouldn't want to stay in it either. And it legit scares me because like you said, I'm not pulling my kids out of public school. I choose public school. If you don't like what's being taught in public school, you can go elsewhere. You don't get to tell everybody else's kids what they should be learning. I get to decide what my child learns. I don't decide what your child learns. And if you're in public school, then everybody's getting the broadcast of it, right? It's not fair. It's not fair. And I really do. It plays on my mind constantly about how many teachers are going to be left because I saw at least 10 leave at the end of the year last year. We're going to have a teacher brain drain in Florida. So. Tina, you, you hit it on the head with your initial statement um, and, and Jen just dropped the mic in terms of uh, everything. I echo the same sentiment. She is 100 percent correct. And it's it's watering down our education. So um, that's what I see going forward. Uh, if you don't have quality educators, if you can't talk about the realities of what's going on in our society, not to repeat those things, but to improve upon those things, if you're seeing that. Um, our students are um, not reaching the potential because of that. You're watering down education to the point where they cannot be uh, a whole individual that can go out into the world, potentially leave Florida, potentially go into diverse areas, potentially just be a well-rounded, non-bigoted <laughs> person who actually understands how to treat someone with a disability, how to treat somebody fairly on uh, LGBTQ, because this this doesn't just carry from, oh, you go from school. These are skills that transfer to work. 
So now what sort of adult are you creating in a work environment? What sort of um, what sort of uh, adult are you creating who may join the military, who may go overseas? I mean, we have to think big picture here. We can't just think in this small microcosm of Florida, this county, this place right now. School public education is designed to help grow our children and turn them into productive citizens that can be successful. So um, if we continue down this path, this will be a pigeonhole. And those that are now um, already in a marginalized situation, it will be exasperated by far. First, let me just thank you. Like it, it, I could spend hours you know, talking to committed, dedicated parents uh, like you. Um, Beyond what you have already said, what else do we need to know? People need to vote. We're in this predicament right now because people are not voting. You know, I was really disappointed in the turnout by Dems this past year. Um, and now they have a supermajority in both houses. You know, are, are the bad education bills are going to be even worse this year. And they're going to be able with no problems at all to push them into law. So vote learn how to register people to vote, register people, get out, canvas for your candidates, get behind your good school board candidates, but vote. And I think we know we have a good public school system and we can be better. We have the money in Florida to do that. And we should be doing that. And we should be holding everyone accountable to do that. That is what the right thing to do is by our students, by our teachers, by our family and by our community. And do your darnest to get engaged with your school district and with your legislation. I know it's a difficult task. There's so many layers to it, but get engaged and understand that we as parents are the catalysts of change for our public schools. So I just echo the same sentiments. That was a very good conversation. Hearing from three parents throughout the state who are very involved in their children's learning and actively involved in their schooling, talking with teachers and administrators and school board members, too. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really liked what they had to say is that there is so much work to be done. It, it could seem overwhelming. But if we start just taking small steps, right, no one person can do everything. If everyone who believes its students deserve the freedom to learn joins together and takes action, we can reclaim the education that our students need. For those of you who would like to become involved, please visit the show notes page on our website where you can connect with like-minded parents. And for parents who want to get engaged and you don't see an active group of parents working in your community, it's a great opportunity for you to start a group. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again, keep educating from the heart. If you enjoy our podcast, ask your friends and colleagues to subscribe on our website at feaweb.org backslash educating from the heart. Send your comments and feedback to heart at floridaea.org. Again, that's heart, H-E-A-R-T at floridaea.org. Or you can leave a voicemail at 850-201-3384.
Educating from the Heart is a production of the Florida Education Association. FEA is the statewide educators union with more than 150,000 members, including teachers, education staff professionals, higher education faculty, graduate assistants, students preparing to become teachers, and retired educators. 